when most people hear Bitcoin, they think of kind of the popular BTC version of Bitcoin, which is at effectively all time highs right now, where uh, the BSV version of Bitcoin is more like the original vision or the scaled vision, which is focused on changing the way that our internet functions and that we store data rather than just using this distributed ledger for the kind of sole purpose of speculating on a digital store of value. You are listening to Conversations with Nathan Latka. Now, if you're hearing this, it means you're not currently on our subscriber feed. To subscribe, go to getlatka.com. When you subscribe, you won't hear ads like this one. You'll get the full interviews. Right now, you're only hearing partial interviews. And you'll get interviews three weeks earlier from founders, thinkers, and people I find interesting. Like Eric Wan, 18 months before he took Zoom public. We got to grow faster, minimum is 100% over the past several years. Or bootstrap founders like Vivek of Question Pro. When I started the company, it was not cool to raise. Or Looker CEO Frank Bean before Google acquired his company for $2.6 billion. We want to see a real pervasive data culture, and then the rest flows behind that. If you'd like to subscribe, go to gitlatka.com. There, you'll find a private RSS feed that you can add to your favorite podcast listening tool, along with other subscriber-only content. Now look, I never want money to be the reason you can't listen to episodes. On the checkout page, you'll see an option to request free access. I grant 100% of those requests, no questions asked. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Zach Resnick. He's the managing partner at Unbounded Capital, investing in the Bitcoin, the BSV ecosystem. Unbounded envisions businesses leveraging Bitcoin, playing a predominant role in shaping how people interact with and use the internet in the coming decades. And they're working to help entrepreneurs achieve that vision. He's the founder at EasyPoint. He's a trumpet player and composer and the hell of a poker player. Zach, you're ready to take us to the top? Nathan, thanks so much for having me on the podcast today. You bet. I'm not supposed to tell people you're a good poker player because then they won't pay with you, play with you, right? I'm a poker enthusiast, Nathan. Yeah. I'm an investor and entrepreneur. <laughs> All right. What is Unbounded Capital? Unbounded Capital is a firm that's investing, as you said, in the Bitcoin or BSV ecosystem. When most people hear Bitcoin, they think of kind of the popular BTC version of Bitcoin, which is at effectively all-time highs right now, where... Uh, the BSV version of Bitcoin is more like the original vision or the scaled vision, which is focused on changing the way that our internet functions and that we store data rather than just using this distributed ledger for the kind of sole purpose of speculating on a digital store of value. Mm-hmm. And you believe, part of your thesis here is you believe uh, Craig Wright is is the you know the creator of Bitcoin. Why, why do you believe this and why are you betting on him? So first off, I'd say most of our thesis and our focus on the reason we're really long BSV and not other blockchains comes from the technology of Bitcoin and is doesn't have to do with Craig Wright. But yes, you are correct in that I do think that Craig Wright is very likely to be the creator of Bitcoin. And I would say that, you know, the, the dominant view right now is there's a lot of evidence he's say like a fraudster or a scammer, and there isn't a lot of evidence that he is the creator of Bitcoin where I would kind of turn things on its head where I personally haven't seen any compelling evidence of him doing kind of unethical things or being a fraudster the way that a lot of uh, those arguments are painted in kind of the crypto media. Um, And I think he has a lot of incentive to not reveal that he is Satoshi in the way that 
most, I think, want him to or think that he's incentivized to. Yep. So there's not a lot of evidence that he is not. There's a good amount of evidence that he is. Um, and most importantly, there's a lot of game theory around why it doesn't make sense for him to say, reveal it to everyone. Where I think people kind of take it as a given that Craig, if he was Satoshi, would need to want to have this incentive to prove it to everyone. But, you know, kind of a question for you or those listening is if you had tens of billions of dollars in Bitcoin, which are current prices would make you, you know, depending on how much Bitcoin he still has, the probably the richest man in the world. Uh, would you want everyone to know that the thing that you have the vast majority of your net worth in is something you've been railing against for years and don't think is going to have long-term value? Mm -hmm. So I, I generally, when get asked about Craig, I say, hey, listen, this can be a kind of a, a very emotional political topic. We wrote a piece on our website that uh, you could find in the show notes called Why We Think Craig is Satoshi and Why That Matters. And we've done more legal diligence on this topic than any other party that I'm aware of. How do you make money so you, on it? So have you, you raised a fund. I mean, tell me about the size of the fund and how you're putting your money where your mouth is here. So um, our fund today, um, according to our general counsel, not a good idea for me on podcast to say the AUM, but we're, we're managing a few different fund products today. Our main fund is the Opportunity Fund, where about 70 to 80% of the capital that we take in gets invested into early stage ventures that are building on BSV. And that's, you know, kind of like a traditional venture fund. And then the rest you're of buying equity there or you're buying like utility tokens, we're buying equity, okay. just, just normal equity, not anything crypto crazy. And with the remaining, um, you know, cash, we have exposure to BSV, the asset in the form of the asset directly, as well as derivatives and markets for derivatives that we've created ourselves. Mm -hmm. So our goal with that fund is to give our investors the best long-term risk-adjusted exposure to our thesis around BSV, of which most of that comes in the form of the top companies building on BSV uh, at, you know, five, seven, ten million dollar valuations. And when you're and raising have, your fund, obviously you're pitching a certain risk-adjusted return. Help me understand, I mean, is that like typical venture where they're pitching 40% plus IRR? I don't like to tip uh, to pitch a typical return. I think talking about targeted return is, I think, like a flawed way of thinking about risk and uh, risk management. So I get asked that question a lot, and I explain the way that I think about risk and potential outcomes, which is I'm a probabilistic thinker. If you're investing in this fund, uh, you're doing so because there's the chance for you know much much higher returns than 40% annually. But you also have to accept the risk that, you know, it could be much lower. There could be a negative return on capital. Mm -hmm. So I think that kind of the amalgamated um, outcomes together. So, Nathan, you're a poker player. You've said a little bit of poker, like Monte Carlo simulations. If we were to run the universe a million times and add them all up together, I think the expected value of the fund is, is quite is quite high. It's not usually a good uh idea from a legal and regulatory perspective to give specific numbers, but I think that you know, if we're right about uh, this BSV thesis, I think there's the you know potential for very high returns. And I can speak to our track record to date, which, uh, you know, since we've been investing in the BSV ecosystem, which has been uh, how long? Fund, uh, a little under two years. Uh, that opportunity fund is up over 400%. And this is a product only for uh, accredited and qualified clients. Mm -hmm. Well, Zach, so the way to get that number juicing is you only raise a dollar, you deploy it, and now it's worth $6 today, and there's a, you know, it's a significant return, <laughs> but obviously you can't share how much you're managing. Assuming there's a good denominator there, obviously healthy return in your first two years. When do we see you on CNBC saying our fund is now $100 million and we're still performing at you know, 20 30 40% year-over-year -year returns? Uh, well, I hope we can do a lot better than that, but I think uh, 
likely when this kind of out of consensus bet on BSV becomes a bit more consensus and less seen as this, you know, very contrarian bet. And I think given- Is that a marketing problem? How do, you, how do you make that happen? Is that you convincing the world? It sounds like a marketing problem, not a rational like diligence problem. Yeah, it's definitely a marketing problem. And I'd say like, we're working very hard on that. We've written a book on the subject. We've produced videos. We've released articles. You can find all of this at unboundedcapital.com. And I think we're doing our part. Um, but yes, it's, it's definitely a marketing problem because from my perspective, not investing in the only blockchain that prioritizes scale versus trying to build networks and money that operate outside law and regulation is where the vast majority of the kind of value in the crypto or blockchain space will come when from. When you say scale, are you specifically talking to the nature of the latency with traditional blockchain or what do you mean by scale? So if there's like a bunch of different block types of blockchains and there's things that are masquerading as blockchains aren't really blockchains, from my perspective, to really get the benefit of blockchain, you need to be secured by something called proof of work which was kind of true in Bitcoin. It's true for all the different Bitcoins today. It's true for Ethereum. But all of these other networks that are secured by proof of work, um, they limit the scale in order to potentially evade law enforcement action in the future. Uh, so BTC, for example, the popular version of Bitcoin, only allows its block size to be one megabyte because they want to make sure that everyone can kind of run the node software on their phone or computer in the event that government shut down all the professionalized miners. Uh, and that like kind of extreme libertarian anarchist ideology really pervades a lot of the design and software development decisions where BSV Bitcoin is treated more like a core protocol rather than a software product, kind of like the core protocols we're using right now on the internet, like TCP IP. And as a result, there's no limit on scale. So we've seen, you know, blocks that are hundreds of megabytes on the BSV blockchain. Uh, and I think we're going to see petabyte blocks over the coming years. Mm -hmm. Just so my audience, if in case we've lost them, just to make it real again, if they have a Coinbase account and they're loving what you're selling right now and they want to go buy, you know, the equivalent of BSV, not BTC on Coinbase, what would they go buy if they believe in your thesis? Well, they couldn't buy it on Coinbase because due to a lot of politics around that Craig Wright guy that you mentioned, uh, there is not BSV available on Coinbase. But a lot of your listeners probably have Robinhood accounts and Robinhood uh, is generally the easiest place for people to buy not actual BSV in that you can then withdraw it and own the asset yourself, but kind of a hypothecation the way you do with stocks on brokerage accounts. Directly correlated. I did announce this morning that you would be able to actually own that crypto and have the private key soon. So you can move it out, put it in cold storage, whatever. Um, once Robinhood implements what they're, they announced this morning, yes, but yeah. today. You yeah, interesting. Okay, and then look, it's a SaaS podcast. It would be remiss for me not to ask you a SaaS-related question. What, yeah. like, what, what does sort of I don't know, blockchain in general mean for SaaS companies? Like, are, you know, there's a lot of SaaS companies getting very high valuations now that are like SaaS plus marketplace. Should yeah. they be thinking about, about Bitcoin and blockchain? Yeah, I mean, I think it's kind of similar to the internet, which is, you know, we're in kind of that mid-90s equivalent where there's like a few uh, people and companies that are really using it. But for the most part, the market isn't really uh, looking at how it's going to affect their business. And now, tw 25 years later, we've seen that it has pervaded not just every business, but the way that we organize as humans and interact around the world. So I would say the same thing for a blockchain that scales, of which today, BSV is the only blockchain that is trying to fulfill that. So the areas that we're investing in are companies that make it easier to do things like micropayments. So for example, you know, if you want to go read an article in the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, or all these other things now, unless you have paid for subscriptions on all those accounts, you're going to be uh, uh, paywalled at, at some point. But if you had kind of this casual online cash relationship 
where you say had your Bitcoin wallet loaded with however much Bitcoin or the USD equivalent in a stable coin on that wallet, you could then just be charged for the individual pieces of content that you read. Mm -hmm. And I think this will spur new business models that weren't possible before. Who's doing this right now? Who's on the fringe? Is there anyone doing this well? So I'd say we're still definitely in the early days where there's nothing that has achieved an enormous level of scale that's doing this. But in terms of some companies in the BSV ecosystem that are doing that, uh, there's a company called Streamanity, which is kind of like a, a YouTube where you you pay per video. And most of the videos there were talking about, you know, small number of cents where if you were using any other type of kind of blockchain or payment solution, you couldn't, you couldn't do that business model because you'd lose more on the transaction fee than what the video costs. But with BSV today having transaction costs of between like 150th and 100th of a penny, that allows for um, you know being able to charge someone a cent and still make a good margin. Interesting. So there's a, there's a there's a Twilio being disintermediated because you figure out a way to sort of you know they currently charge per API cause you send you know, text messages at scale but there's a way to sort of tokenize this at some point and really have this operate exclusively on the blockchain and there is no Jeff Lawson at the top accumulating wealth as a publicly traded CEO. The way that I think about it is kind of a world in which a blockchain that scales is where the vast majority of the world's important secure data is built upon. The ability to make money by data siloing and and owning people's data is a lot less possible because people will understand the value of their data more easily and be able to monetize it more easily. So instead of having, okay, we're on Twitter and the value of Twitter isn't just the user interface and the advertising and the capture that happens in real time, it's also their data that they've amassed over many years that anyone else would have a hard time doing. Mm-hmm. There's actually kind of a, a Twitter on Bitcoin uh, called Twitch, where as a user in an unencrypted way, you, every time you Twitch or tweet, that goes onto the, the BSV Bitcoin blockchain. And as a result, if Twitch isn't coming up to snuff and someone wants to compete with them, they can just build a new interface for the history of all Twitches. So I think that's how all types of content, news, social media is going to, maybe not all, but a, a definitely a much growing, uh, a large growing portion over the coming years. Yeah, they'd be the equivalent today of when someone gets banned from Twitter, if they, wanted them, if they don't like that signal to the marketplace, they could literally just copy all of Twitter's history, all of Twitter's code, launch a competitor called you know, Zax140characters.com, and, and, and run it. What you're saying is, obviously, you don't do that right now because Twitter would sue the hell out of you, but you could do that on Bitcoin or you could do it on blockchain. Well, yeah, I mean, they're not necessarily going to release their code base public, but in terms of the, the user data, yeah. that I think will just as a standard be, be, be public. Uh, and that applies to, you know, the Netflixes, all, all these like marketplaces where a lot of their value comes from the fact that they have, you know, exclusive access to this certain type of data. Yeah, Zach, this is good stuff. You should do more of these interviews. Are you doing a bunch of podcasts these days or what? Yeah, recently we've been we've been doing a bunch and definitely uh, open open for more. So it's it's been a lot of fun today, Nathan. Appreciate That's, you uh, you having me on. You bet, man. Let's wrap up here quickly with the famous five. Number one, favorite book. Ooh, favorite book, nineteen eighty four, George Orwell. Number uh, two, is there a CEO you're following or studying or a leader? Uh, yes. This is edited, right? Do I have a second or no? <laughs> uh, not usually, but give it to us raw. What do you got? Uh, don't say me. Michael Eisner just finished Disney War. There was a lot of processing happening in that brain on that answer. I'm very curious what the real answer was, but we'll go with Disney War. (laughs) (laughs) Number three, what's your favorite online tool for building Unbundled? Uh, Zapier. Number four, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? 
Seven and a half, eight. All right. And situation, married, single kids? Um, dating someone I'm very excited about. Okay. No kids. No kids. And how old are you, Zach? I'm 28. All right. Last question. Something you wish you knew when you were 20. Um, I wish I better understood the value of my time. Guys, value your time. We've got Zach again making a big bet on Craig Wright and what's called the Bitcoin Satoshi Vision or BSV. More of a marketing issue right now. Fundamentals, at least to him, make complete sense. His fund was closed, started investing about two years ago. Nice growth over the first two years, caught 400% growth. Citing things like Streamanity and Twitch as what software companies could look like if built on top of uh, blockchains uh, that enable folks to own their own data and monetize it. Building something special. Zach, thanks for taking us to the top. Thanks, Nathan.